Jesus never said, go to church. Peter never said, go to church. Paul never said, go to church. You can search the entire Bible and never anywhere read about people going to church. That's because in Matthew 16, 13, Jesus said this, now I say to you that you are Peter, which means rock, and upon this rock I will what? I will build my church, and the powers of hell will not conquer it. Or another way of reading that is, and uh, my church will literally kick down the doors of hell, okay? So we have a tendency, ready? You just practice this. Because we were taught as children, here is the church, here is the steeple, open the doors and see all the people. But the problem is, in this passage, Jesus is not talking about a building. He's not talking about an institution. He's talking about people, people who are united by a common identity and mission. Okay, so today, I simply want to remind you to stop going to church and start being the church. It's something I've reminded you about before. Jesus didn't save us so that we could find safety and refuge inside a building. He saved us so that we could be the church, so that we could be his family, so that we could be his hands and feet in the world. He saved us so we could play a significant role in his mission to rescue a broken humanity. You and I have a crucial role in God's story. And deep down, you know this is true. How do I know? Because how else do you explain the movies that we make? I just saw for the first time, Bridge of Spies. I love Steven Spielberg's late in life, I'm gonna document American history, <gasps> okay? So he's making movies like No Tomorrow about the past. And this is one of them. And so Tom Hanks plays John Donovan, an ordinary lawyer and an ordinary insurance lawyer from New York. And so the United States captures a Soviet spy and they tap his law firm to defend the spy in court. And when he, he's assigned the task of, of providing a defense, wink, wink, nod, nod, not really. And when he gets into it, he's like, but we have a constitution and, and we're Americans and there are these things that we say we believe and we need to live up to what we believe in. All of a sudden, it like ignites something in him. And he defends the Soviet spy with passion. And in the film, he says to the judge who's clearly gonna sentence the guy to death, he says, judge, please, I beg of you, don't sentence this guy to die because you never know. Down the road, they may capture one of our men. This guy has is, is walked this out with integrity. He's, he, has, he has been the perfect spy for his country. And we have the same people doing it there. You never know. And so the judge doesn't sentence him to death. Well, several months later, Gary Powers in his YouTube plane is like, boom! And he can't, you know, he can't self-destruct the plane in time. And so he's captured. And the government isn't speaking to the Soviet Union. And so guess who they tap to go negotiate a trade swap? Ordinary lawyer John Donovan who, by the way, did I mention he was an insurance lawyer? 
yeah, that has everything to do with preventing the Soviet Union and the United States of America from nuking the world. <laughs> yeah, that has everything to do with negotiating the release of two Americans held prisoner by the Soviets. And so he, lie, he has to lie to his family about taking a fishing trip. And when he comes home, there's this amazing scene at the end of the movie, and the, the press conference comes on from the White House, and the guy is saying how they secured the release of Gary Powers and this other American. They've been working on it for months with the help and assistance of a lawyer from New York, John Donovan. They're like, Dad? Dad? Ordinary dad? What? Yes. Okay, let me go down a list. All of us are born with a longing to know that there is more to us than meets the eye. The dirty stepdaughter who sits at home missing the first half of the party is really a princess. The neglected kid who lives under the stairs is really the chosen one who will become the most powerful wizard who ever lived. The teenager repairing droids on the far off planet of Tatooine is really the one who will restore balance to the force. Are you catching a theme here, people? The teenager who is selected to represent her district in the games is really the hero who will overthrow the government and bring freedom to everyone. Okay, hello, this is in you, this is in me. We sing about it, we make movies about it, and it's no coincidence because we are meant for something bigger. So again, don't go to church, be the church. That longing in us is satisfied when we become who God wants us to be. We get satisfied when we're given a role to play in God's mission to rescue humanity and restore what's broken. I wanna review where we've been again. So again, if you miss my bottom line today, it's really simple. Okay, it's really simple. God made a good world, but our original parents weren't sure they could trust God. They thought maybe God was holding out, and so they did the thing they weren't supposed to do. And brokenness and sin and death entered the picture. But instead of do over, nuking everything and starting from scratch, instead of walking off, there are all kinds of options God had. But God chose to stay involved. God made a promise to a man named Abraham. And Abraham and all his descendants, they lived it so perfectly. They obeyed the laws of God so flawlessly. They were full of love, grace, and truth. No, they were broken people who had broken children, who had broken grandchildren, who made promises and broke them, because that's what broken people do. But God didn't stop, and he became one of us. He joined the human race. He clothed himself with humanity. He sent his son, right, who fulfilled the promise. And that takes us where we are today. You and I have a role in this story. Let me ask you a question. Did God stop working in the first century with Peter and Paul? Like all the stuff that happened there, did God just go, okay, we're done. The promise is fulfilled. Where's that autopilot button? Autopilot, auto oh, there it is. Is that what happened? No. Is God at work today in 2016 rescuing humanity and restoring brokenness? You bet he is. And he's looking for people who will 
step into these roles and help him fulfill this mission. You and me. Notice, after the resurrection, Jesus didn't stay. He went, ascended into heaven. He went back to heaven. He didn't stay. He entrusted the, the fulfillment of his mission through people empowered by his spirit. That's you and me, right? There's a few passages that bear this out. Jesus, whom we're told is God's son, after the resurrection, tweaks some terms. He says to his followers, I don't call you followers anymore. You're my friends, he says in John's gospel. What I have, I share with you. Um, the disciples are in the book of Acts called apostles. You're like, whoa, where'd that term come in? They're sent ones. They're sent on behalf of Jesus. Students, we're not students anymore. We're adopted sons and daughters. 2 Corinthians 6.18 says this, and I will be your father and you will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. In John, but to all who believed him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. And then in Romans, it says this, for all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. So you've not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you've received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. And now we call him Abba, Father. That's the word that little kids use to say daddy. For his spirit joins with ours to affirm that we're God's children. And since we're his children, we're his heirs. In fact, together with Christ, we're heirs of God's glory. But if we share his glory, you can count on it. We'll share in his sufferings. Imagine for a moment that your father was John F. Kennedy. Just imagine for a moment. Do you think in life that that would open doors for you? Better believe it would. Oh, your dad was Jack Kennedy? What? Do you think that would close doors for you? Oh, you're a Kennedy, huh? Same thing when God is your spiritual father, guess what? It's going to open doors and close doors. You've got a famous spiritual dad <laughs> who's got a track record with humanity. Some people love him. Some people are really mad at him. And you're going to experience that in life. But there's more to you than meets the eye. Jesus, right before he ascended, gave some marching orders, and it's found in the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter 28, verses 16 through 20, and this is what he says. Then the 11 disciples left for Galilee, going to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshiped him, but some of them doubted. Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Like John Donovan, like Katniss Everdeen, like Luke Skywalker, like Harry Potter, you and I have a role to play in God's big story. We've been given marching orders. You and I are in the middle of that story right now. And in a sense, what Jesus is saying in this passage is, okay, it's your turn. It's your turn. 
Look at the verb. The main verb in this whole passage is this one right here. Make disciples. Go, baptizing, teach our uh, participles, modifying the make disciples. But I find it interesting, nowhere in that passage is, go sit in a seat once a week, right? <laughs> go sit in church for at least a decade. No, it's not in there. It's not in there. These marching orders are to produce other people that follow Jesus, that have taken this path of discipleship, who've been rescued from their brokenness because of what Jesus has done on their behalf. When Jesus gave this instruction to his disciples or gave this command, it's called the Great Commission, notice what isn't here. He doesn't tell them how to do it, does he? Or at least in this passage. They don't ask, hey, boss, um, <clears throat> before you go, uh, could you, like, <clears throat> I got a notepad here, actually. Um, so how does this work? Like, how do, we, <clears throat> how do we do this? I don't think he had to because... There was this, oh, you mean do with others what you did with us the past three years. Ding, okay, I got it, I can do that. And off and running they went. Off and running they went, leveraging relationships, telling people that God's kingdom was here and breaking into human history. They left family, they left family businesses. Um, there's a passage in Matthew where he says to a group of men, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men, and what he's saying to them is, the way you've been catching fish, I will train you how to do that with people, and it's gonna be like awesome. And they do, they leave them. But there's some benchmarks, okay? And, and, I, and I wanna flesh out some of these benchmarks with you. The first is, has to do with head, right? And so I call these thresholds. And so I, I'm, I want to articulate these thresholds for you and, and pose some wondering questions, right? What, there are people all around the world who've crossed this threshold right here. I know who Jesus is, and I've decided to follow him. They've taken that, they've made that conscious decision. And by and large, it's not flawless, it's not perfect, it's not like, you know, I know who Jesus is and I've decided to follow him and I obey in all things all the time, 100%, seven days a week, 24 hours a day. No, it's more like I took like three steps forward and then two steps back and then I kept doing this for like five years and then I had some people in my life that were helping me sort through some issues and other stuff and then it was like I took five steps forward and I was like, woo, and then it was like two steps back and then, <laughs> you know, but that's following Jesus. I wonder... Have you taken, have you crossed that threshold? Have you made that decision? I know who Jesus is, and I'm letting him lead, I follow. There's another threshold. Has to do with hearts, has to do with transformation. In other words, I am being changed by Jesus. You'll hear people in this church family talk about it this way. Before Jesus, man, I had a problem with anger. Like I was, I, I could bite your head off like no tomorrow. And it wasn't easy, it didn't happen overnight, but you know what? These many years later, I'm not the angry man anymore. And when I do bark, I actually come back and I apologize for it. Um, you'll hear people talk about addictive behaviors that they have, you'll hear people, but it's, it's language of transformation. I'm not the same person because God's spirit working in me is changing me to be like Jesus. I wonder, 
Have you crossed this threshold? Are you letting God's spirit change you? There's one more threshold, and this is the one really that I'm hoping to get you to cross today or be willing to cross. I am committed to the mission of Jesus to love and reach a lost and hurting world. I will be his hands and his feet right here today in this lost and hurting world. I wonder, have you crossed that threshold yet? And if you haven't, would you be willing to cross it? It's worthwhile, I promise you, and I'll make that case in just a minute. You and I are, have a crucial role to play in God's story. And here's the amazing part of it. You get to decide whether you want to opt in or opt out. You can, it, God won't force anybody to help him. God won't force anybody to follow him. God won't force anybody to love him back. Love doesn't work that way. You are completely free to go, yeah, or go away. Completely free to do that. Would you be willing to be his hands, though? For those of you that have crossed those other thresholds, would you be willing to make a commitment to join him in his mission? Let me ask you a question. For those of you that have crossed some of these thresholds, did you get to Jesus by yourself? Weren't there some significant people in your life who helped you get where you were? How'd they do that? I'm gonna take a guess. Relationship and time, or relationship and process. And before you knew it, you looked back and you were like, oh, hey, I'm walking with Jesus. And, and that's how they did it. You could do the same thing. Here's another question. Where are you invested? Are you investing as others? Are you inviting others and investing in them and then asking them to join this adventure with you? Are you praying for people? Are there people in your life that you sense maybe God is working on? And then lastly, where are you serving and who are you ser serving? Are you using your gifts and talents and skills to show Jesus to the world around you? I have a couple of... Uh, uh, a couple of yays in my life. One has to do with, no offense, Ella uh, Tompkins, right? When Ella first started on, uh, showed up with her parents, the, anytime I saw her, it was, I'm going to go hide from that man behind my mother. Save me, mom, from this scary man, okay? She was scared to death of me. She wouldn't talk to me. She wouldn't interact with me, you know? And so I've, I tried, like, I only have like three charms in my whole life. And I deployed all three of them with just utter, complete abandon and recklessness. You know, you know. A few, a few weeks ago, I love, we're in small group together on Tuesday nights. And when I see her now, she comes, she runs toward me, grabs me by the leg and won't let go. <laughs> this is important to me because when Ella is 16, I want to have some relational influence with her. When she's kicking the tires for Christianity, I want to be able to go, you know what? What mom and dad have been telling you, Jesus, spot on. Follow him. It's worth it. You got questions? Let's talk about it. But follow him. I'm telling you, it's worth it. I want that relational influence for down the road because I'm on mission with God and I'm going somewhere. I, I want to partner with him to rescue humanity. Um, same thing. I have a similar thing going on with your daughter right now. I had a breakthrough this last Tuesday, uh, Tirzra, um, she does the same thing, hides behind mom, da-da-da, I couldn't get her, you know, but again, she's going to turn 16 one day, hopefully, we, you know, all right, and 
if I'm around and I'm part of the picture, I want that relational influence to be able to point her to Jesus. And so to, to, on game night, last small group time, we had games and uh, they, you guys got mad at me because I wasn't in it for like two rounds, but she started talking to me. I went and got this doll and, you know, and I showed her the doll and she all of a sudden, she wanted to tell me about her two dolls and their names and what they do. And I'm like, she's talking to me, you know. <laughs> In psychology, this is called a breakthrough, all right? <laughs> okay? But I'm not just doing this because I like kids. You, you getting, this, getting the feel for this, right? This stuff matters. This stuff matters. So there's some, there's some ways that you can do this. Um, I didn't have a picture of them. I meant to put a picture in here, but on Christmas, this last Christmas, um, Ah, kills me, I didn't get it in there. There were uh, 25 former uh, youth members from the youth group at the mothership. Half of the, and there's this picture of them getting together at Christmas. And half of them were kids that I had in the kids' ministry when I was the children's pastor there. And looking at where they are and looking at how they're following God, you would recognize several of them because a couple of them are part of our church family now as grownups. Um, and... In looking at that picture, I was like, you know what? It's worth it. It's worth it to partner with God to reach and rescue. It's worth it. Because I'm telling you, at the end of the day, only two things last, the word of God and people, all right? So uh, here, let me go back. One way you could do that is to get involved at generations, at other places that are kingdom-focused. Take 90 days. I'm going to get involved. I'm going to do something. I'm going to hang out with teenagers. I'm going to, you know, media. I'm going to, I've heard Jamie's story more than once. She says, you know, I came back because of your dad. It was because he was actually interested in us as a family. And so I came back the next Sunday. <laughs> All right. The, we don't have a lot of sideways energy here. So you want to get involved. The great thing about our size right now is I'm, you'll work with me. I'll help you get, get you deployed somewhere for 90 days. And during those 90 days, we'll talk about where you would be permanently. Um, and you can drop a card in the offering box today, or you can email me, and I'm happy to start that process with you. The second thing is identify people in your sphere. Who do you know right now that's hurt or lonely? And if you're the hands, I would hope it's the case that in your life you recognize anywhere from one to five people who fit the bill, that maybe God is at work in their life, and you literally write their names on your fingers if you want, but you pray for them, you love them, and you invite them. And it's just that simple. It would be a profound mistake, gang, to think that you have to do everything big right off the bat. Um, I think of uh, the way Americans define success, which is like numbers, 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 size, platform, everything else. If we judged the apostles by today's pastor standards, Peter would have been a dismal failure. Paul would have been a dismal failure. Like, none of them would have passed mustard or gotten invited to speak at conferences. And yet, they turned the world upside down. They turned the world upside down. I simply want to remind you, don't go to church. Be the church, okay? You and I have a crucial role to play in God's big story. In this room are some Harry Potters, some Katniss Everdeens, some people that at, there's more to you than meets the eye, and God wants to use you 
to fulfill his mission to rescue and restore a broken humanity. Can I pray for you and pray for me? God, as a community of faith, we have open hands and we ask that you would use us to make a difference in this community. That 10 years from now, 20 years from now, they may think we're crazy, they may think because of the way culture changes and everything else, my goodness, those people believe the strangest things, but oh my goodness, do they love Jessamine County. Oh, how they love each other. Man, if everyone lived the way they lived, oh my goodness, God, help us to make a difference here. And I pray these things in Jesus' name, amen.